It is believed and taught in our schools that mankind evolved from some kind of an ape-like ancestor long ago, far away. If that's true, we should be expecting to find millions of transitional or missing links, transitional fossils, uh, ape-like organisms that are slowly taking on human characteristics. And like I said, we should be finding uh, millions of them. I mean, they should be everywhere in the dirt as we dig around. Is that the case? Today on the podcast, we're going to be having Eric Hoven back on the show. Welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. So, like I mentioned in the introduction, uh, today we're going to have Eric Hovind of creationtoday.org. We're going to be talking about uh, ape-like creatures to human evolution, the missing links. Uh, This is going to be an introduction on the subject. Uh, Honestly, there is no way we would be able to cover all of those uh, supposed missing links, these ape-like creatures to human evolution, uh, fossils. So today we're going to get started on somewhat of an introductory level, and then, God willing, sometime in the near future, I will be having uh, Eric or somebody else on to continue and talk about more of these supposed uh, intermediate fossils that we find. So with that, let's just do this. Eric Hovind, welcome back to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Hey, thanks, Michael. Appreciate what you do, man. I uh, it was great seeing you out there in Colorado a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was it was very cool meeting you in person. Yeah, man, um, and you got a great family, dude. I'm just thrilled that uh, they let you sacrifice your time to put this podcast together and and just strengthen the faith of believers and help uh, reach the lost and point to Christ, man. That's awesome. Amen. I don't know how they put up with me, but yes, I have an amazing family. <laughs> So, uh, friends, today we're going to be talking about uh, uh, ape-to-human evolution and some of the fossils that have been found. But before we jump into it too deep here, uh, Eric, you mentioned before we started recording uh, about a a meeting you just had today. Uh, Yeah, you know, I I just got done eating lunch with an atheist. His name is Victor. And uh, ironically, one of his big deals was exactly what we're going to talk about today. Some of these missing links, and you know, what about these fossils, and what does this mean? And and it, it, I, I got this lunch through a through a mutual friend. Uh, I was teaching a college class out in Wyoming at Jackson Hole Bible College. I had taught all week long. We had gone through the evidence. We'd gone through the three different levels of argumentation. You can argue on the faith level, on the fact level, or on the foundational level. We taught. I'd gone through. Here's what the atheists are going to say. Here's what you're going to come up against when you're out on the street you know, going at it and talking to people and actually sharing your faith. And and uh, then right before class on Friday morning, before we go out on the street and do witnessing on the street, because in order to pass my class, you have to go out on the street and talk to people. And right before we did that, I get a phone call from a friend of mine named David. 
He says, Eric, I got, a, I got this friend with me. His name is Victor. He's an atheist. Can you talk to him? It's 9 o'clock. Class starts at 9 o'clock. I said, man, I'm walking into the classroom right now to teach a class out here in Wyoming. I'm sorry, bro. He said, okay, maybe another time. Hang up. I get into the classroom, and I go, oh, my goodness. You realize what an opportunity this is. I said, hey, class, students, I've got a phone call that I need to take. I said, can I put this over the speaker system and just let you guys hear this conversation as we talk with an atheist? And they said, yeah. <laughs> so I called my friend back. I said, hey, man, you know, it'll work out great. I'm just going to let the class listen into the conversation. And it was, it was just one of those you could not have planned it better. It was a textbook conversation. I'm actually thinking about making it available. We recorded it, making it available, because it was one of those textbook conversations where literally everything that we had talked about that whole week came out in this one 30-minute conversation. And it was like the students were like, wow, it was exactly what you said he would say. He was saying that and exactly where you said he'd go. He went there, and i I just been, I guess, fortunate enough to have a lot of conversations with, with atheists. And so after that 30-minute conversation, I, I told Victor we'd be praying for him. I hung up, and I said, I can't wait to get back to Pensacola and have lunch with you. And he uh, – the whole class, after we after he hung up, the whole class was like, that was the best thing ever. And they just really enjoyed getting to be – this wasn't a debate. This wasn't a, you know, I've got to one-up you. This was a real genuine – I'm caring for Victor's soul. Here's somebody who's on their way to hell right now. And I was able to, as lovingly and as compassionately as I could, show him the, the folly of his worldview and ask him why he would base his whole life on this worldview that doesn't make sense. And so it was just really encouraging. And then today I literally just got done with lunch uh, with Victor and David and uh, had a great time at lunch. He said, man, you've given me a lot to think about. Uh, so we'll talk more about that, I think, at the, at the end of the program. But it went right into what we're going to talk about today. Well, what about all the missing links? There's hundreds of them yeah, that, you know, that we evolved over millions of years, and there's evidence of that. We can see that. So anyway, it'll get right into what we're going to be talking about today. Excellent. Very cool. Uh, okay, well then let's uh, let's jump right in. Really quick, let's lay a foundation. Uh, according to secular science, uh, what is the basic story of how man can't? Man, let me try that one again. Mankind came to be. According to secular science, so according to the evolution worldview, you have um, the whole idea of. Uh, of people evolving from ape-like ancestors. Now, some people, by the way, if you're out there and you're, you're getting this, this is your training, you want to be better at answering questions, then don't ever say evolutionists believe we evolved from apes because they don't say that anymore. They used to say that. But then people are going, well, how come they're still apes? So instead they say we evolved from ape-like ancestors. That's kind of where they go with it. So you've got you to give them that. So chimpanzee-like ancestors and things like that. And so that's the evolution worldview where they take it. And, and really when you look at it, you know, the whole idea of evolution started by, um, well, popularized by Charles Darwin in his book on the origin of species, uh, has taken quite a journey. Uh, Darwin said, if my theory is true, we should find lots of intermediate fossils. We should find lots and lots of forms of life that are halfway in between on that evolutionary scale. Well, the problem is they didn't find any. They didn't find these, these things that are, that are, you know, like halfway. So people actually kind of started making some of them up, and there were several hoaxes and frauds that came about 
as a result of Darwin's theory of evolution. In order to try to prove his theory right, they would fake these fossils that they thought, well, they must exist somewhere, but since we can't find them, let's just make them. And they would fake these fossils. Or they would interpret a fossil a certain way based on their preconceived idea that evolution had taken place. And so the evolutionary worldview believes that we started off as you know molecules that came from nowhere, and those molecules evolved and turned into life at some point, and then that life began replicating by itself. And the, the, the way to remember the stages of evolution is with the word farm, F-A-R-M. They say we started off as, an, a fi- as a fish, evolved from fish into reptile, you know, moved up on land, then from reptile to amphibian, and then from amphibian to mammal, F-A-R-M. Uh, F-A- I did that wrong, didn't I? F, fish, amphibian, <laughs> reptile, mammal. All right, I'm awake here. Although I did just eat fish tacos, and let me tell you something. They were amazing. If you ever come to Pensacola, let's go to the fishing hole and eat their blackened fish tacos. Wow, absolutely oh. amazing. So you got to come on over, Michael, and hang out. Um, I'm in. So that's the basic view is uh, we evolved fish, amphibian, reptile, mammal. And uh, once the mammals were here, you know, the apes came along, and then we continued to evolve for, for millions of years. And they they would look at – modern science would look at um, the ancestor of human beings being kind of the oldest way, way back ancestor of human beings being between a million and three million years ago. So that's the whole time frame that they're talking about when they're talking about human evolution. Man. Okay, well let's let's look at some of these finds. Uh, secular science, the evolutionary worldview, continues to put so many of these uh, poster child uh, fossil discoveries in front of our face. They will find maybe a skull cap here and a tooth over there, and maybe a shin bone a couple miles away. And the next thing you know, we've got a full artist rendering of the ape. Uh, and in, and even a uh, another rendering of the ape's wife, um, and uh, this whole story starts getting spun around uh, what they found when they really didn't find much of anything. Uh, you mentioned already some of the fakes. Maybe we should start there. Like uh, Piltdown Man, who is that? Oh, Piltdown Man uh, is now known as Britain's greatest hoax, and uh, it's it's a BBC actually did, uh, over there in, in England, actually did the documentary on this. Well, they showed, look, Piltdown Man was a deliberate hoax. It was a fraud um, that, that was invented. Basically, uh, what happened was um, a guy named Dawson, Charles Dawson, uh, said that, look, we found this, this, Pilt, this Piltdown Man. Um, and what happened is somebody took the jawbone of an ape and the skull of a human and filed them down to make them fit together. Then they treated them with acid and buried them uh, over in a gravel pit in, uh, in Piltdown, England. And then a year later, they took their class that had been studying evolution. They took uh, their, their class out on an expedition, you know, kind of like going and looking for fossils. And he took them to the location where he buried this ape and human, uh, um, you know, head, ape, ape skull and human jawbone, and they discovered, aha, Piltdown Man. And now it's known as a, as a great embarrassment to the scientific community uh, when they realized that the teeth had been filed down to make them look human, uh, the bones and the teeth had been chemically treated, uh, and some of them were even painted to give them the appearance of being really, really old. And so now it's known as a great 
uh, a great hoax and kind of a very, very embarrassing a black eye for the scientific community of England at the time. However, before it was discovered to be a hoax, this was the poster child for ape-to-man evolution. They started teaching it in the school. It was actually taught in the textbooks as evidence of evolution for more than 40 years. For 40 years, they used this as, a, as an evidence of evolution. Um, it's, it's just it's sad to me. Uh, the guy who did this, um, uh, Sir Arthur Smith, I believe, uh, he retired from the British Museum of natural history, spent the next 20 years uh, digging at the Piltdown uh, site in Piltdown, searching for more finds, uh, and he didn't find any. Um, I don't, oh, I, I guess, I, hang on, let me think here. Arthur Smith isn't the one who found it, uh, but he be, I think he believed it, and he actually spent 20 years digging at the Piltdown pit trying to find um, Piltdown Man. Uh, Charles Dawson is the one who appears to have started the great hoax of Pilldown Man. So, just a, a sad thing to see the scientific community. But, and I got to tell you, this kind of stuff still happens today. Um, this whole idea that, well, we believe this is true, so let's make the evidence support what we already believe. Uh, this kind of stuff still happens today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as we continue to go here, you're, we're, we're going to see more and more of the same type of stuff where. You find just the tiniest little bit, and next thing you know, they've they've uh, they've got it pasted uh, on the cover of of, of uh, National Geographic and many other magazines, and they're touting it as the next big find, and it's really tearing the uh, um, paradigm of evolution up. And now we know so much more, and um, we've got a you know it, I don't know it, it it blows me away just how much conjecture goes on with this uh with these fossils and the the discovery. So like another one, for example, Nebraska man. Uh t- tell me about that one. Yeah, Nebraska man was a um was actually a guy was digging around in conveniently Nebraska and looking looking for missing links and he found um he found something. He said, "Man, I think this is actually um uh, uh you know, something that's half man, half ape." What he discovered was a tooth. He discovered one tooth, uh, and and the lead one of the leading um, tooth authorities, uh, Dr. Gregory, actually said, "Hey, Osborne, the guy that discovered this, he's right. This is actually the an upper molar from an anthropod, and they believe, man, this is this is proof that you know humans were here in America, is in Nebraska." Well, later they uh, and this was in the newspaper, and there was an artist rendering. Of course, that's all they ever have is artist renderings. Um, this artist rendering of this guy carrying a club, and and then you can see his wife kind of behind him, hunched over on the ground. And so you make these kind of half man, half ape looking drawings, and they put it in the paper, proof of evolution. The problem is all they discovered was a tooth, and later they discovered what the tooth really came from. The tooth really came from. A pig. It was a worn down <laughs> pig's tooth that they used. And what they did is they're like, okay, if the molar looked like this, then the jaw looked like this, and then the face looked like this. And they built the entire structure of Nebraska Man based on one tooth, which is scientifically <sighs> impossible. You, you, you had to have a preconceived idea to get what they came up with, and that's exactly what they have today. Uh, is a is a preconceived idea, and what's sad is those kind of mi- that kind of misleading information 
has led to all kinds of pain and suffering. I mean, I'm yeah. looking at the kid Victor that I was just talking to today, you know, who uh, is in trouble with the law, but trying to trying to figure out life. And we talked about his personal life and kind of where he's at, and and we kind of we went through, and he said that these these fossils are one of his biggest deals to rejecting God. Seriously, I mean, after mm-hmm. after there's been so many frauds, so many misidentifications of thinking it's one thing and it's actually another thing, and. And you're going to use that as your evidence to say you don't believe in God? I mean, Victor, come on, man. I, I think I think you want to reject God, and therefore you will accept this as evidence. Not this is evidence, therefore you reject God. And so we had to have a real heart-to-heart discussion about, about well, why is it that he's really rejecting God? Why is it that he's doing this? But Piltdown Man, or excuse me, Nebraska Man, again, um, it, it, uh, it was a pig's tooth. And uh, but still taught, still taught, still believed for a while that it was a missing link. So was that ever was that ever in the textbooks? Piltdown Man. I'm trying to remember exactly how long uh, it was actually used. I think it was about four years. I think it was discovered in 1921, and I think uh, um, I think by 1925, about four years later is when it uh, was shown to be just a pig's tooth. So Interesting. Not sure how much time it had to actually get into uh, the textbooks, but certainly used in magazines for several years uh, and things like that uh, to uh, to support the idea of, of evolution, of human evolution. It uh, turns out, too, the Nebraska man was uh, one of the key bits of evidence that was used in the scope trials as yes. well. Yes. Yes, if you've ever seen uh, Inherit the Wind, which is a terrible um, movie on on the Scopes trial, uh, the Scopes monkey trial, um, yeah, he's using uh, this piece of evidence that we now know is absolutely false, uh, but, uh, of course, evolution never had a chance to go on trial there. It was only creation that went on trial. Hmm. Uh, well, that seems to be the way things are going. Um, hey, Michael, me... let, let me share this too real quick. This is an, I shared this okay. with, with Victor cause, just because it's interesting. When you have this preconceived idea that mankind evolved from an ape-like ancestor, it really twists your thinking. I mean, it, it really – and it affects your science. It affects the way you do science. And I told Victor, I told him the story about an atheist uh, – sci- excuse me, a Russian scientist. He was an atheist. A Russian scientist that was the world's leading expert on – uh, in vitro fertilization type techniques, where you know you take the egg and you take the sperm and you can you can uh, implant that into uh, a female and then it will it will provide it you know be the host and actually you know uh, produce offspring. And it, it was <laughs> here's what they said, and I'm trying to remember the uh, the scientist's name, but it was said he could he could uh, he could impregnate a hundred mares. From the uh, from one specimen of semen from a horse. I'm sorry if there's kids listening to this. I realize I'm getting kind of graphic <laughs> okay. here, but um, it was really good. They actually, because they believed that the orangutans evolved into the Chinese, the gorillas evolved into the blacks, and the chimpanzees evolved uh. into the whites, they actually did scientific experimentation, trying to impregnate women, Chinese, black, and white, with. Um, Combining an egg of a of a woman and the and the sperm of an orangutan or an uh, an ape or a uh, or a chimpanzee, and oh, they literally they... did this experimentation. Uh, and so it, it goes to show: look, what you believe really does determine how you behave. And they did these exper- these 
this experimentation. Um, I, none of them have been successful other than – I'm just kidding. I was going to make a joke about somebody, but that's a low blow, and we're not going there. We're going to keep it on the up and up, all right? <laughs> oh, way to go. Yeah, controlling your mouth. I, I just love had it. to control that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so – Oh, yeah, it, it certainly does have an effect on your actions. And um, so many of these uh, school shootings involve people with an evolutionary worldview as well. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, w with a worldview like that, when it's strictly materialism and uh, we're, we're basically just molecules in motion, right? We're just chemical reactions. Uh, who, who's to say that one group of molecules or chemicals Ending the uh, life or disorganizing another group of molecules is really all that wrong. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah. who, who's to say one sack of molecules uh, having its way with another group of molecules uh, to produce yet a third group of molecules is wrong yeah. in an evolutionary worldview. It's simply survival of the fittest. Um, it, is, it is a biblical worldview that says that life has uh, meaning and that and that God loves us and that uh, every every life matters. Absolutely. You know what's interesting is, as I had this conversation today with Victor. Well, you know I'm going to save this. I want you. I'm going to hang on to this till the end. At the end, I want to share one more little piece of. Okay, so you got all this information on Java Man and Peking Man and Piltdown Man and Nebraska Man and all these supposed missing links, and you can point out that they're a fraud and you can go win that argument. Okay. What? Where do you go from there? But we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. Amen. Perfect so, commercial right. break time. You should be throwing a commercial in right there. That was like a cliffhanger. <laughs> Drink Coke. Go get yourself some popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so well, what about Java Man? Now, uh, I can tell you this much. Uh, after much research, I came to find out that Java Man is the original inventor of coffee. And it uh, turns out his first name is Joe so what can you tell me beyond that? Oh, he enjoyed his <laughs> cup of joe. That's right, man. Java Man is another one that's supposedly this missing link, this half man, this half ape, actually discovered in Indonesia. It was the Dutch East Indies at the time. And uh, it was, this is back in 1892 on the island of Java. They discovered a thigh bone. And really the thigh bone that they discovered is uh, very similar to modern human beings today. Well, about a year earlier at the same location, they had discovered a large skull cap. And they thought, well, maybe this is from the same piece and, person. And then later they discovered three teeth. So a skull cap, three teeth, teeth, and a human thigh bone. Now, these are not necessarily all from the same individual. Uh, they were discovered about 50 feet apart. So I don't know if it was something that tore the individual apart or what happened, or maybe they got eight. Um, the, based on the skull cap, they think the brain size of what this was was about 900 cubic centimeters, which is about two-thirds that of the average modern human being. Um, hmm. And uh, bottom line is, Java Man, he was interpreted around the world as indisputable proof of human evolution. And the textbooks, of course, in the magazines were filled with these uh, images of Java Man, and this is absolute scientific evidence that um, – you know, they called him the erected eight because, man, here we have a, you know, we know this human, this thigh bone is one that stands up straight, and yet he's got a smaller brain. So obviously this is half man, half ape. 
Here's what they, they didn't tell to the scientific community. Uh, for about 30 years, they found two normal human skeletons in the same general area. Oh, so while you found these same things, and, and here's, what I, here's what I find interesting. If you find human bones and chimp bones in the same area, and the chimp bones are broken, like the skull is broken, what can we infer from that? You realize there are people in Africa right now that eat monkey brains. That is one of the things that they eat. So I, I look at this, and I look at this evidence, and I go, hang on just a second. How do we know this isn't humans that were eating monkeys? And that's where they inhabited, that's where they lived, and so that was part of their diet. This has nothing to do with evolution. Um, you know, the skull cap, it, it could have belonged to some kind of extinct ape, uh, the leg bone to an ordinary human. Uh, so just because they're found within 50 feet of each other doesn't mean that this is the same animal. So Right, and, and I guess the teeth were actually found in a different area nearby, so not even within 50 feet. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was another dig, basically. Uh, so if somebody, like I said, if somebody says, look, I just want, you would not take that evidence and say, fine, I'm not going to believe in God because of that. You would have to be looking at this saying, I want to believe in evolution. I want to reject the idea that we are specially created in order to say that I'm going to use that to fit the evolution of mankind from ape-like ancestors to humans. You would never look at it that way if you weren't predisposed to think like that. Hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so in, isn't Java Man still taught in the, te the uh, textbooks? You know what? They are still teaching Java Man today. <clears throat> um, let's see here. Um, trying to remember a little bit more about it. Uh, I go to, you know what I use when I can't remember enough about things? I go to a, a search engine that we developed called searchcreation.org. And searchcreation.org indexes the top 20 apologetic websites in the world. So that if you want a good scientific or biblical answer to anything to do with creation, evolution, science, the Bible, eight men like we're talking about today, every single one of them can be discovered and, and get the truth about them through the website searchcreation.org because it only indexes great websites that have the truth on there. So use yeah, that. Yeah, it, funny you say that, Eric, because – that is the website I, I used for all of the research for this particular podcast. Yeah. Dude, it's so, awesome, yeah. isn't it? It is awesome. I, I can live on that website. There's so <laughs> much there. And I was just goofing around uh, last night, too. Um, and it's not just creation and evolution. I went ahead just for the heck of it, and I typed in Mormonism just to see what would come up. And there were loads of articles yes. on Mormonism. And you can type in just about any apologetics-based type uh, uh, topic, and you'll find whatever you need. It's I'm awesome. Fine. Creation, evolution, so, anything to do with science, anything to do with the Bible, other religions, apologetics in general, it is your place to do your search. And, you, it, oh, man, it, it is saving. It, you, you know how that site came about? I'll tell you this story real quick. I um. I went to our tech guys, and I said, hey, guys, I find myself, if i got a question about something and I want to find out what another ministry says about it, I go to like seven different ministries. 
I'll go over to AIG, then I'll go to ICR, then I'll go to Always Be Ready, then I'll go to GotQuestions.org, then I'll go to – so these are all these websites that I know these people that run them, and I trust them, and I know that they're doing this for the glory of God, and they want to be accurate, and they want to be careful in how they present and how they write. And I said, is there any way for you guys to make it so I can do one search, and it searches all my favorite websites? They came back literally five minutes later, peeked their head in my office and said, hey, Eric, that's done. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Well, then they developed over the next couple months, they developed the website, and now it's an incredible search engine, searchcreation.org, where you can just, like you said, hang out on there and get a great, get all the, all your, all your questions will be answered on searchcreation.org. So <laughs> enjoy it. Oh, it's, it's, it is amazing. And you know what's neat, too, is, is just the fact that when you're looking for information on a certain topic and you go to Google or Yahoo or Bing or whatever you know search engine you like to use, um, you're going to get a mixture of all kinds of different websites. Whoever did their search engine optimization the best is going to be who gets served up first for mm -hmm. you. That's and right. then you have to go through all these websites and find, uh, hopefully, the right information Yes. And what you've done is you've put together the top 20 different sites. These are the type of ministries. They don't generally make mistakes. I'm sure all of them have in the past, but they're the type of ministries that if you see it in print on their website, that's the truth. Mm. And, and, and so what, what an amazing thing you did there because now somebody can just go to searchcreation.org, type in their search, and they get the best results served up first. They don't have to dink around and mess around with a bunch of other websites that, you know, there's a lot of well-meaning, well-intentioned apologetics ministries out there. But uh, a lot of them don't do the same level of research as the, the ones that you have tapped for that website, searchcreation.org. So anyway, yeah, kudos on that. Yeah, well praise done. God, man. Hey, it's a, you know, the reason we do that is we just want to serve the community of Christ and say, look, Hey, body of Christ, there's great stuff, and we can we can point you right to it. It's real easy. So, searchcreation.org. Shameless plug. Thank you. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I I love it. Absolutely love it. So, um, Peking man, uh, who's this Peking man? <laughs> Peking man. Yeah, he's the one who you don't want him looking in your window. That's the one you don't. Want. <laughs> hey, Peking man, get out of here, boy. Uh, Peking man, it's the, the common name for one of the original, what they call Homo erectus fossils to be discovered. I was actually unearthed between 1923 and 1927. Remember, all during this time, there is a race. They are they're going, look, human evolution is true. We just need to prove it. Human evolution is true. We just need the evidence. So this whole time, from the late 1800s and early 1900s, they are in a frenzy trying to find this evidence for evolution that Darwin said would be available. So they're looking all over the place, digging and doing excavations. Well, it was, uh, the Peking Man was discovered near Beijing, China, because um, Beijing was actually originally named Peking, just so you know. Uh, it was originally announced to be a new hominid species based on a single tooth, one tooth, uh, slightly altered is what they said, you know, made this thing distinct. And then they made models of it. They drew pictures of it. They made sculptures at this time of Peking Man, uh, put them in the Natural History Museums of the world. Later, though, it was revealed that there were several more skulls and jawbones discovered around that area, and all of them were human-like. They were not ape-like or halfway in between. 
Uh, what's interesting is uh, they continued to use Peking man as evidence of evolution. Um, I was reading on creationwiki.org, which is one of the websites that uh, Search Creation searches, and uh, it was saying that um, they got some uh, funding from the Rockefeller Foundation. I'm looking at it here yeah. now. From the Rockefeller Foundation to actually go and do more excavations. And it was in 1927 that they discovered a uh, the, the tooth. <clears throat> and they, they claimed that this was a new species of hominid. Um, when in reality, they didn't they didn't find anything brand new or new species. All they found is bones that are similar to humans today. That's it. So not exactly evidence of evolution, unless, of course, you want it to be. If you want it to be evidence of evolution, of course, then, yeah, it would be. And I, I have seen uh, Peking Man on some evolutionary websites uh, being touted as solid uh, example, evidence for evolution. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. This episode is going to have something for everybody because you can strap on your tinfoil hat here. The, <laughs> the Rockefeller Foundation gave uh, Davidson Black, the guy that discovered this, uh, $80,000. And after he passed away, a, a Jesuit um, who is one of the fathers of mysticism. Uh, a, a lot of my listeners are – I get into some of the New Eastern Age religions. Yeah. That's right. And uh, Théard de Chardon, um, a, a, a Jesuit uh, mystic, was uh, the guy that took over at this dig site after Davidson Black passed away. Very interesting. Very <laughs> so what interesting. what did they find? Well, they found uh, only a few human skulls were found. They could tell, well, these human skulls obviously didn't evolve from anything else. Um, they also found that the brain size of this particular Peking man uh, was smaller than that of, of uh, well, your typical human, I guess, is 1,500 cc, and this was 1,000. So it's a little so, bit smaller, okay. Yeah, a little bit smaller, but there are uh, a lot of people in the population, especially in that area, that have the same features. So basically what they found was nothing special. Yeah, you know, you can Nothing go over that, to Africa today and you can find the pygmies over there that only grow to be about three feet tall. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking uh, as well in the book Bones of Contention by Martin Lubinow, Marvin yes. Lubinow, excuse me, <clears throat> available at the creation store.org. <laughs> um, and he's got a section in there on Peking Man, uh, the skull low, uh, uh, broad and elongated. Uh, cranial capacity was between 750 to 1250 cc's. Uh, anyway, he goes through, Martin Lubinow goes through all the supposed uh, missing links in one book, uh, Bones of Contention, and says, hey, let me give you the creationist perspective or the creationist assessment of the supposed human fossils that have been discovered. And just breaks down all of these things. Uh, I have not read the whole book. There are chapters that I've read on specific things like his uh, his stuff on Lucy and other things. Uh, he actually has gotten to go and examine some of the original bones, not just the copies of them, but the original bones in many cases. So good book. Fascinating. I, I think I'm going to try and con him into coming on the show as well. Do it. Uh, I'll, I'll say that Eric Hovind. So you need to fix suggested... everything, Eric. Eric gave us the the, <laughs> the kindergarten version. I want the I want the eighth grade level of what's going on with the caveman man. He could really break it down for you. <laughs> All right. Hey, you've heard of Cro-Magnon man, right? 
That's right. What yeah. do you know? What so, do you know? What do you know about him? Uh, he is anatomically identical to modern humans. <laughs> uh, they found four adults and one infant. Uh, and even though this is this is touted as kind of the ape to human, ape to mankind uh, evolutionary step, really he's no different than our modern humans. Uh, he was buried with uh, some pendants some necklaces made out of shells, some animal teeth. Um, really not much different. Basically the same thing that, you know, modern man. I think he had a little bit thicker bones. Uh, he wore jewelry. He, uh, they found uh, evidence that they were sewing clothing. Uh, they found uh, various things that suggested that, um, well, Cro-Magnon man kept astronomy, Records, kind of interesting. It doesn't this sound like something seriously, seriously evolved ape. I mean, wow, <laughs> wow. They buried their dead. Uh, they buried their dead ritualistically. Uh, they found very various implements that suggest that they had some type of religious beliefs. Uh, they found tools. Uh, they found other tools for making more sophisticated tools. Uh, they even found musical instruments. So this guy got around. I'm sorry, this ape yes. got around. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's that's Crow Magnet Man. You know, it is interesting <laughs> to me that um, once again, you would have to want to believe in order to come to this conclusion. And the whole idea of how they get the dates for these things. They'll say, well, it was found in this rock layer. And this rock layer matches what we think its age should be. So, therefore, we're going to line it up with, with the right age, even though the whole geologic column and rock layer dating method is so invalid, it, it just doesn't work. Um, people say, well, carbon dating and radiometric dating is how they got those ages. They came up with the geologic column, which is what they used to date a lot of things. They came up with the geologic column back in the 1800s and the 1830s and 40s. Carbon dating Ugh. and the ages for those columns, or excuse me, for those layers. They didn't come up with carbon dating until the 20s, 30s, and 40s, uh, the 1920s and 30s and 40s. So 100 years later, don't tell me they get these ages based on the carbon dating. They've already got a preconceived idea of an old earth, thanks to James Hutton, who wrote a book in 1795 called The Theory of the Earth, where he said the earth is much older than people think it is. So he started this process of thinking. People took it, accepted it, worked on it, developed this geologic column that only exists two places in the entire world. There's only two places in the world you can find the geologic column, and that's in the textbooks and in the museums. You won't find <laughs> it anywhere else in the world. So they developed this imaginary column, give dates to all the layers, say here's what fossils you're going to find in it, and then they're off and running. They've got a whole world view that is all based on fantasy and imagination, but it doesn't matter now because people accept it. So ah, all the frustration so, of trying to correct everybody on that. Yeah. So, okay, so let me get that straight. Okay, so, uh, yeah, wasn't it Charles Lyell that was reading James Hutton? He's one of the and, main guys. Yeah, Charles Lyell that came up with the geologic column. And And so he comes up with this column. He assigns dates to the layers. Uh, and, he, and he comes up with those dates out of thin air. He just looks at the fossils in the layers and says, uh, this has got to be X amount of years old. And he comes up with these dates. Time progresses. We, we come into an age where we now have uh, radiometric dating, 
all types of scientific ways to supposedly determine the age of these rock layers. And you're telling me that they do not use radiometric dates to support the age of the rock layers. We're going off of what Charles Lyell said in the 1800s. And they don't have any solid um, um, radiometric proof that these layers are the age that they say they are? Well, here's what they'll do is any time with radiometric dating, if they find an age that matches what the preconceived idea was on the age of these rock layers, they'll accept it. If they get wild dates that are outside of it, they'll just reject it and say, oh, that was a bad sample. So they've kind of got a built-in way, a rescuing device to build in what they've already assumed to be true. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it just it yeah. it gives them a way out every single time to be able to to say, oh well, yeah, that that was a contaminated sample. Well, if you find one sample that's contaminated, how do you don't how do you know that any other sample is not contaminated? You know what gives right. you that information? What you have to assume, you know, the, the how much carbon is in something before you carbon date it. You have to assume that the rate of decay is consistent. You have to assume that it hasn't been contaminated. There are several assumptions that go into radiometric dating, and while I love the science of it, it's not what they used to come up with the age of the Earth or the age of the universe. It's not what they used to try to say that the the geologic column is millions of years old. It's just simply not the case. They believed that before any of this was ever possible. Boy, they. Huh. Yeah. And uh, and, and with that built in out, I mean, gosh, that's, I, I suppose, not much different from when the weatherman tells you that you got a 40% chance of rain, but he's, he's built in and out pretty well. There. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to win no matter what. That's funny. So, That's funny. Oh boy. Eric, tell me about Lucy. Oh, Lucy. Australopithecus afarensis. You know, that's what we called her when I dated her too, just cause she wasn't all that pretty. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, Lucy was d- uh, discovered by Donald Johansson in the, in the uh, Hadar Valley of Ethiopia. And, uh, you'll never guess what he was actually looking for when he discovered Lucy. He was oh, looking for missing links. <laughs> so oh, he goes on an expedition looking for a missing link and lo and behold, he discovers his missing link, Lucy. Uh, Lucy is wildly popularized. They made a movie called Lucy recently where they go back in time and they're actually seeing this ape and uh, you're seeing this ape-like creature. And it, it, it's interesting. Anytime you see a uh, transitional fossil, uh, half man, half ape, and ape man, they always get it human eyes. So they have these ape-like yep. characteristics, but then they put white eyes, you know, the whites of the eyes in there to make it look half ape and half human. Come on, tell me you you knew what the eyes look like based on the bones. This is absolute conjecture. Absolute. Oh, they, they found a render. fossilized eye with whites in it. <laughs> I didn't read about that. <laughs> oh, I just I, I'm blown away. So uh, Donald, here's what happens: Daniel Hansen discovers um, a knee joint, and the knee joint has an angled, or excuse me, the hip joint. I'm sorry, hip joint, and it's got an angled femur. Well, apes typically have a straight femur, so the the ball and socket joint, the ball that goes out, then the femur goes down, it's kind of a 90-degree angle. Humans have a a less than 90-degree angle because 
our hips are a little bit wider than where our knees are at, so our bones actually angle into the knees. And this is good for upright walking because when you walk, if you're, if you're, uh, or if you have a problem, like if you have to have both legs in a cast or something like that, and you got to waddle, uh, you'll notice that you kind of waddle back and forth. Like if you ever see a chimp waddle um, in, in a video. When they walk, they have to kind of bounce back and forth, waddle back and forth because uh, their their hip bones are are straight. Well, uh, humans are angled. They said, look at this. This thing has an angled femur. It must be evolving into a human. The knee joint that was discovered was a mile and a half away from the uh, from the femur, from the rest of the uh, the fossil. So. I, you know why you would call that Lucy's knee? I have no idea. It doesn't make sense. I don't think this is from the same animal. Um, uh, Lucy, him, or excuse me, Donald Johansson himself is later quoted as saying, "Lucy has really been dethroned. This is not what we thought it was." Uh, Lucy, based on um, based on the the fossil of the skull that was discovered, um, apes have this little thread-like nerve that goes uh, in at the base of the, uh, of the of the spine that goes out to the throat and stuff to be able to to um, to speak. And uh, apes have the hardware, but they just don't have a big enough hole at the base of the si- uh, at the base of the spine there, or the base of the skull, for the nerve to go through to actually bring about communication. So while apes have, I guess you could say, like Dr. Charles Jackson says, he says they have the hardware, they just don't have the software to make that work. And Lucy, you know, the more studies we've done just show that she is a tree-climbing monkey. That's all. That's all she ever was. Yet when they draw pictures of Lucy, they put human hands and human feet on Lucy, although no feet bone were discovered at all. Again, it's all artistic imagination taking place to try to convince people that evolution is true. And that's what you have to do. If you don't have real scientific evidence, you are now forced to conjure up some evidence. So if that takes some artistic you know, talent, that's fine, as long as we don't have to believe in God and can keep and save this idea of evolution. Uh, yeah, and so uh, Mary Leakey, apparently she, where they got the idea of the, the human feet is uh, she apparently found footprints, human yep. footprints, about a thousand miles away. And those footprints were radiometrically uh, dated is that even a word, metrically? Anyway, <laughs> uh, dated 3.66 uh, 6, million years old, um, of course. And so it's like, well, I guess if we have these human footprints, they're dated around the same time as supposedly Lucy. Uh, that means she must have had human feet. Uh, I guess also her brain size, uh, her, great, uh, her skull capacity for a brain uh, 450 cc's, which is really small. Uh, she was she was a little ape. Yeah, a tiny ape. And you know, here's another thing that's just interesting about all of these. And like I said, go to searchcreation.org and you can just type missing links, and you get a whole list of ones that have come up and and get the truth about them. Um, but here's one thing I like to point out: if you're trying to use these as evidence of evolution, well, all I have to do if we took this to court of law. All I would have to do is ask the question, how many offspring did those, did the animals that were alive that had those bones, how many offspring did they produce? How do you know if it had any children? Do, do you know if it's actually the ancestor of anybody? It could be the ancestor of nobody. They could have just died. I mean, here you have a perfect, suppose it's the perfect transitional form. 
How many kids did it have? Well, you can't prove it had any kids. So it's certainly not evidence that it is an ancestor to humans. You just can't go there. You can't jump to that distinction. Hmm. Uh, but that one's actually one of the biggies that is still taught in schools today uh, based off of what again? A thigh uh, and a shin bone. Yeah. And they, they've got a friends a thousand miles away. Yeah, and they got they got several, they got several bones to to Lucy, but not at all a complete skeleton. I mean, not even close. Nothing like Neanderthals. Neanderthals, we have you know every bone in the Neanderthal's body. We don't have that at all for for Lucy. Well, let's let's look at that. Who are these Neanderthals that we're hearing about? Yeah, Neanderthals are used today as great evidence of evolution, and they're saying that these are the pre-man. Um, the problem is when you discover and, and do some research on Neanderthal, they were human beings. Now, the difference being that they were even a little bit more robust, heavier built than us today. In some cases, their bones are even thicker than ours, and uh, their skulls were a little bit bigger, about a, um, several hundred cc's bigger than, than our skull, um, our capacity, our brain capacity is today. So they, they, they also um, had art, they had culture, they buried their dead. Uh, they found a, bear's, um, a bear bone that had holes drilled in it, like a flute, so that you could play a flute. This is, just because they're buried in caves, doesn't mean that this is something half man, half ape. Now, I guess we could call them cavemen, but because uh, they lived in caves. And we, we still got those today, man. There's, there's guys running around in places that still live in caves. Um, so um, Neanderthal man was a perfectly normal human, other than the fact that it was slightly larger. And uh, on some of them, they found them hunched over. And they thought, well, these guys are evolving. You know, they're going from four legs to two legs. Then they discovered some of these individuals had arthritis. They were actually walking on two going down to four, just the opposite of what <laughs> the evolution worldview was teaching. So yet again, we look at the science and we realize, wow, nope, nothing has evolved. Uh, all we've got is mankind starting off perfect like God created him and devolving, going downhill, not evolving. Right, right. I guess one of the, the uh, Neanderthal uh, skeletons they found in Poland was wearing a full suit of chainmail armor. Uh, proof that he lived millions of years. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't fit, does it? It doesn't fit um, the evolutionist worldview. But it does fit perfectly the creationist worldview. Because the creationist worldview would claim that after the flood, this flood triggered an ice age, and so people would be living in caves. They'd find natural places of shelter and habitat uh, in order in order to live shortly after the flood, and then uh, and then civilization would begin to develop after that. So, what we see in the archaeology today actually matches with what the Bible teaches. Amen. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've looked at several of these uh, various finds, different fossils uh, that are used to support this uh, ape-like creature to mankind evolution. Uh, and, and we found that there isn't any good solid finds. And even if you did find something that looked like a transitional fossil, which we have yet to find any that really are transitioning from ape to mankind or ape-like, you know, it, it, it's kind of like uh, your father, Kent Hoven, Dr. Hoven, 
when he talks about some of his videos, you can arrange skeletons in any order that you want and make it look like one came from the other. Yeah. Uh, but really, you don't. You can't know that. You don't know if that if that had kids. I mean, you can you can arrange uh, skateboards uh, in order to a car <laughs> and suggest that somehow the car evolved from the skateboard, but uh, it's not really. It's not going to prove anything. It's just your own conjecture. And that's why I say when we look at these skeletons and we look at these bones, nobody would come to these conclusions if you didn't have the preconceived idea about that. You just you wouldn't come to these conclusions. You know, one of the things I ended up doing with um with Victor today is we we enjoyed a great conversation. I really appreciate those kind of uh you know good one on one conversations. And and as we're talking today, um, you know, I I I went straight towards the gospel. I said, what do you do with a man that predicted his death? It was predicted long before he came and predicted it. He dies and rises again. And the Bible tells us to be out preaching the, you know, the, the truth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. We serve a resurrected Savior. And what a blessing it was yesterday to, or excuse me, this afternoon to just preach Christ and him crucified. Go into the resurrection and really ask good questions. And at the end of that, that's where the power of God is at. I, I could have continued on talking about the fossils and talking about the missing links and how they're not missing links and the whole chain is really missing and, you know, they got all these problems. But instead, I ended up getting right into the resurrection of Christ and, and taking it down to that. And, and at the end, as we left, he said, man, you guys have given me a lot to think about. Thank you. I just want to thank you for expanding my horizons on this. So oh, I can't wow. wait to hear how it goes with Victor in the future. Praise God. That's great. Amen. So uh, how is this 3D Genesis movie going? Man, Michael, this is amazing. This movie is going to be rocking intellectual heads around the world, man. So we're, we're producing, for the first time ever, a 3D movie on the creation of the world, how God created the world. So instead of just hearing in the beginning God, you're actually going to uh, watch in the beginning God. I just saw the whole movie on a completed timeline. The guys are getting ready because in March we're going to be scoring the movie, and the score, the music for the movie, is about a third of the film. So it's just huge. Huh. So we're going to be scoring it in uh, in March, and uh, I'm just I'm so excited. We've just crossed the 90% mark in our donor development, in our funding for the project, so we still have uh, 10% more to raise, so we're asking our donors and, and people to, to help push us over the edge here and get all the way completely funded with the film. Our goal is to go to theaters. We want to take this thing to theaters and see uh, see God use this in people's lives around the world, like Victor that I was just talking to. This is going to be – I can't wait to let – and a kid who calls himself an atheist like Victor come and see all this science, all this truth, and watch God create the world. I mean, seeing is believing in a lot of ways. And, and, and for many people, this is going to be it for them. This is going to be life-changing. Oh, praise God. That's going to be good. That'll be good. That'll be something worth uh, taking the whole church to. Absolutely. You buy out the theater and fill it up. Yeah, if you want to get more information or stay up to date, you can go to genesismovie.com, and uh, right there at the bottom of the page, just put in your email address, and we'll send you out email updates. Uh, right now, we're keeping them few and far between, just every couple, about every two months, because uh, we're just working hard on rendering out and getting this movie completed, so uh, we're staying focused on that. Excellent. And also, uh, friends, if you want to uh, know more about Eric Coven and what he's up to, check out his website, creationtoday.org. 
Um, just a wealth of information on there. And yes, as we've heard during the podcast today, there is a store there. There's a lot of uh, really good uh, resources that you can find on creationtoday.org. And so uh, avail yourself of that as well. Amen. Michael, I love what you do, bro. Keep it up. Well, I'm loving what you're doing, Eric. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Man, it's great to partner with you and great to just uh, see us, you know, trying to strengthen the faith. And um, I've been I've been writing down a lot of different taglines lately on what do I want our ministry tagline to be? Because I've always used, you know, impact eternity. Cause, and that's what really matters is impacting eternity. And then another tagline is, you know, um, present the facts, point to Christ. You know, that's what we want to do is just present the facts and make sure we're pointing to Christ. And so just several things I find myself um, – going, man, I love people that want to do the same thing, and you're you're right there, man. I love it. So everybody out there that wants to do that, thank you guys for serving with us. We appreciate it. Amen. Praise God. Excellent. Well, Eric, thank you for coming on the show, and uh, boy, I, I really would like to do this again sometime. Sounds great. Let me know when. All right, we're going to stop right there. Like Eric and I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, this is just a primer. This is just getting started on this subject of missing links, transitional fossils. Uh, There are so many more discoveries uh, that supposedly are uh, uh, transitioning from an ape-like creature to human. Okay, and so, uh, yes, I do plan on having somebody else on uh, to discuss some of these other finds, somebody who's a little more intimate with these discoveries. I'm hoping it's going to be Marvin Lubinow, author of Bones of Contention, an amazing book. If you want to skip ahead, uh, if you simply cannot wait for the next podcast where I jump in much deeper than even uh, Eric and I went in today's podcast. Uh, Check out his book, Bones of Contention. It's all over the internet. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it pretty much wherever books are sold. It's an amazing book, a great resource. So check that out. And with that, thanks for listening. This is Michael Bone. You've been listening to Youth Apologetics Training. I love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Sing it out loud Declaration